last word on health on Today FM. With Benelin non-drowsy chesty coughs. Gets to work fast. Always read the label. So it's time for our weekly Last Word in Health with Dr. Brian Higgins from Galway Primary Care. And let's talk about urinary tract infections, which covers quite a lot, doesn't it, Brian? It does. And UTIs, for those who get them, especially when they get recurrent, UTIs can can be the bane of their lives. When we talk about the urinary tract, um, it's very important to know what we're talking about. And the urinary tract is the group of organs that manage urine. So we have the kidneys that produce urine, the ureters that transfer urine to the bladder, um, the, the bladder, which is the bag effectively that holds urine until we get rid of it, and then the urethra, the little tube leading from the bladder out of the body. And when we talk about UTIs, urinary tract infections, they're incredibly common. They probably account for one in four of all infections, and they're the most common reason that people attend, uh, present to the general to general practice actually needing antibiotics. But usually the most common type, when we could say a UTI, and some people mistakenly say in a kidney infection, we're actually talking about cystitis or an infection in the bladder. Okay, so what are the symptoms of the UTI? So we'll, the two most common are bladder infection and kidney infection. And it's important to, to make a distinction because they are very different. Bladder infections are generally uh, less severe infections. Um, so there's an irritation in that bag that holds urine. So it's not able to hold on to the urine, urine. So people pee more often um, and usually smaller volumes. It's painful when they pass urine because of the inflammation. They may even have blood in the urine and they can sometimes even have urinary incontinence and the urine can be very foul smelling. Whereas a kidney infection or pyelonephritis is effectively an abscess in the kidney, a really severe infection. And that presents with a high fever rigors, which is this uncontrollable shaking, which is very scary when you see it, nausea and vomiting, abdominal pain, and you can also get the, the, the symptoms of, of cystitis as well. How dangerous is that? It can be really dangerous. The, the, when we talk about these severe infections, whether it's a severe lung infection or pyelonephritis or skin infection like cellulitis, the worry is A, that the organ will be damaged. So could you have some sort of permanent renal impairment from the infection? But also could that bacteria that's growing in the kidney spread across the body, uh, which is what we refer to as sepsis, which can be a very severe infection. But thankfully, kidney infections are very, very, very rare in general practice. We only see about a handful of them a year, whereas bladder infections we see all the time. So how do you do the diagnosis? Generally, it's the on symptoms. The, um, those symptoms of frequency, painful urination, foul-smelling urine, like there's not a lot else that causes them, to be honest. So we'll usually see a patient, they'll often have a history of urinary tract infections. And in our clinics, we can do a dipstick. So whenever you're presenting to the doctor with any sort of urinary symptoms, people should always get a, a urine sample in a, in a specific container um, that they can get at the doctor's receptionist to bring in for the doctor to test. And then we have these little sticks called urinalysis sticks that we can just put in and we look for things like blood and protein and white cells um, that can show that there is likely to be an infection. And what we'll often do then is we'll send the urine off to the lab to see what bug specifically is growing there and even more importantly to find out what antibiotics will and won't work. And then we'll generally, if we have a high suspicion that someone has a UTI, we'll usually start them on antibiotics that day. Okay. What causes them, these UTIs? Um, 
They are, um, well, what, the urinary tract should be sterile, but there are bugs that live on the rest of our body um, all the time. Um, and sometimes what can happen is they can get into the urinary tract. Now, that can happen after sex, especially if, people, if women don't urinate after sex, but also physical changes, like physical changes that happen during pregnancy, hormonal, hormonal changes after menopause, um, any structural anomalies, the urinary tract, men who have an increased size their prostate and um, all of those things what they can do is they can cause stasis in the bladder so you can get a little bit of um, urine that just kind of sits around in the in the bladder it doesn't fully empty and that can become infected and of course sometimes if people have a reduced immune function um, they're a bit they're at higher risk of um, UTIs and we often think that with things like HIV or people on chemotherapy but you have to remember as well as people age the immune function doesn't work quite as well so as we get older both women men and women are much more susceptible to urinary tract infections so how do you treat them thankfully they tend to respond well with oral antibiotics and but unfortunately we do see increasing amounts of resistance in the community so even when i started working as a gp Less than a decade ago, um, I, w- I had a lot more confidence then that the antibiotics that I would give somebody for the urinary tract infection would just work. Whereas with um, the kind of more widespread use of oral antibiotics, uh, what you can find is this increasing resistance. And that's why we always send the urine off to the lab to make sure that we have an antibiotic that does work. But the vast majority of times, um, a, a several days of antibiotics at home will treat someone for patients who have pyelonephritis or the kidney infection, they're much higher risk of developing sepsis. So we'll often have them admitted to hospital for IV antibiotics. Okay. There's something else I want to ask you about because the reports uh, overnight about increased waiting lists to see GPs because of the increase in the number of GP visit cards and apparently a lot of GPs closing their lists to new patients. What's going on here? Um, I, I, I don't think this is um, news really to anybody. Um, the fact that general practice has been a capacity for, for quite a while um, is pretty well known. I think most of the general practice community was quite surprised when there was this announcement of the extension of the uh, doctor visit cards, which effectively allows people to attend their doctor more frequently, but it doesn't support them with, say, the cost of medication or being able to access physiotherapy, psychotherapy, occupational therapy. Um, so effectively, it increases visitation rates without effectively a, a holistic approach to healthcare. And the concern with GPs is there's certainly issues with uh, the amount of GPs that we have. We, we certainly don't have enough GPs. And I think you have before you increase the demand and increase the number of people looking for care, you have to first increase the capacity. Otherwise, you'll have waiting lists. Thank you very much, Dr. Brian Higgins from Galway Primary Care for being with us. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today.